Sit With Us acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to the land this podcast is recorded on. We also pay our respect to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to Sit With Us, the podcast. I'm Ella. And I'm Dom. And this is your invite to sit with us and chat about all things relationships, reality TV, pop culture, and everything in between. Coming up on this episode. I've got two choices. I'm either going to come out of lockdown more depressed, worse than ever before, or a new and improved and evolved Ella. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Sit With Us. It is just me and you today and our wonderful producer, Blake, is also in the room. Um, do you want to say hi, Blake? Hello, hello. <laughs> is it, this is my first time. Oh, my God, this is your first time. And it's a Friday. We're vibing. <laughs> Weekend's coming. We've got this all planned out. I'm feeling really we good do. about it. How are you feeling? I'm pumped. I'm excited. It's Definitely going to be a bit of a different episode, I feel, today. And the reason Dom isn't here because, you know, as we mentioned in the last episode, the Wi-Fi in Italy is not amazing. So today I thought I would record this episode solo. And to be honest, I feel like it's a pretty personal topic. So I think it's kind of nice. I feel kind of nice that it is just me sharing this story or this part of me with you guys because it's definitely a huge layer to who I am today. But let's just do a little check-in for my week. Super exciting news as you guys would have seen. It's official. I am the narrator and I'm kind of like the new fresh face for Love Triangle season two. We actually did do recaps last year on season one for Love Triangle. I don't know if you guys all watched it or remembered, but it's all the same directors and producers as MAFS. So, I mean, that says enough. Like if MAFS is the most watched reality show in the country and, you know, obviously very popular in the globe, there's no doubt that Love Triangle is going to be just as good or even better. Now, I obviously can't say too much about it, but... And I'm also going to be honest with you guys, I've only only actually seen two episodes, so I haven't even seen the whole series yet. But there is a twist in this season that's not the same as season one. I can say that and I can tell you it's not the same as last year's plot. So, And the cast are really freaking cool. I've met the six original singles. They're actually really quirky, really, I don't know, just different, like... If I'm comparing them to MAFS over the past 10 years, this cast is not nothing like MAFS. Like very genuine, very raw. There's just something really different about this show because there's no experts, right? It's just these singles living in houses. There's no physical host. I speak for the show, but I'm not physically in the show. Just want to mention that because I did see in the comments, some people were like, yay, can't wait to see you again on TV. Hate to disappoint, but I'm not actually physically in the show, but I am narrating it and speaking for the show, but there's no experts or anything like that. So it is very real. Like the drama is very real. Some of the stuff I've seen and heard what's to come. Guys, you can't script this shit as maths. You can't script it like it is pure reality TV and yeah, super pumped, super excited. 
It's been a new challenge. Uh, narrating is not easy. Uh, you have to really like embody what you're reading. You're literally just reading a script. You're not seeing the show in front of you. You're just reading a piece of paper. So you've really got to like embody what's happening. But anyway, that's that. Love Triangle is coming out October 5th. And we are going to get some of the cast as well on the potty, which will be awesome. So that'll be really cool. I'm really excited about that because some of them are legends. Can't say who's a favorite. But anyway. I could talk about Love Triangle for ages because clearly I am really fucking excited to be a part of it. But today, the reason why we are recording this episode today is because it has been a common question around uh, my binge eating disorder and the history around that. So let's ask the question to me, why now? Why do I want to talk about it now after all these years? And yeah, I guess it's all a very recent thing. I only actually openly started telling anyone about it after maths. And after that, that's when I, I don't know, I just like randomly started to talk about it a bit more with my brother, showed him old photos of me and my best friend. And I think where it came from was obviously I was exposed to, you know, half a million people on social media and questions were coming in a lot about my diet, my fitness, my health, like where, why, why'd you start, how did you start? And I don't know, I feel like now I can look back at that time of my life and understand it more. Keep in mind, I only really came out of it three years ago so it's not even that long ago but the work that I've put into myself in the last three years as well as reality tv starting a podcast being exposed to so many people judging you having an opinion and having questions I just feel like now I'm even more level-headed than I was three years ago and I can talk about it coming from a place of And I feel like we've said this in episodes before. I know that there's so many of you out there and there's so many people out there who may be going through it right now. And also just want to say trigger warning if you are going through any sort of eating disorder, binge eating disorder, I'm going to be sharing experiences of my own that may be triggering. So that is just a bit of a warning. And also we will provide resources in the show notes And just a reminder, everything that I'm saying today is coming from my own personal experience. So whatever I share with you doesn't mean that, you know, you should do. So look, this episode could go for a while because obviously it's not just like a short kind of topic. It's a very deep topic. It's personal. It's something that I've kept pretty private basically since I was about 19 to 20, which is nearly 10 years ago. But I'm also really excited to share. So let's go back in time a little bit then. And look, I've got some notes in front of me because I I did kind of prepare this so that I cover a lot of different things that have helped me get to where I am now. And there's, you know, crucial moments in my life that got me into it, got me out of it, made me aware of it. So we're going to go back in time to when I was about 19 to 20, I just got out of a pretty toxic relationship. That was my last relationship as well. It was pretty toxic. 
Um, it was very unhealthy. We were, you know, partying all the time, going out. Melbourne nightlife. If you're from Melbourne, you totally know what I mean. <laughs> and he was a party boy. So I guess I was a party girl. And um, absolutely no regrets. Had the time of my life being with him. But it just took a really dark turn in a lot of ways. And back then, you know, you're young. Like you don't really understand when you're in toxic situations at that age like you don't really understand how toxic it is until I mean fuck now 10 years later I'm like holy shit I have been through some shit so that's all what led me into unhealthy relationships with alcohol men dating sex food fitness like everything that I was exposed to from a really young age led me into yeah a very unhealthy relationship with myself there was absolutely no self-love there whatsoever no respect didn't value myself had no purpose and you're 19 so it's like are you really meant to have it have it figured out then no you're not and even still now I'm nearly 30 and I still got to figure shit out so this is where we're at so let's just go back to then I was single unhealthy relationship with myself it was all very negative psychologically and I didn't understand why at that age the resources are different compared to what we have now we can just google things you can go on tiktok you can go on instagram back then I didn't really know where to go what to do who to reach out to I was sleeping with men for validation um drinking every weekend and binge eating hardcore like I'd be hungover, I'd be feeling sorry for myself, I'd be tired, I'd be alone and, you know, none of my friends would know how I was really feeling and I think that's really common for us as young women and men as well maybe. I'm I'm not sure. My brothers didn't really open up to me about that stuff at that age but for me I didn't really tell anyone how I would be really feeling. I'd just get back into work and then party on the weekend and it was a cycle for like six, seven years. My life revolved around going out on the weekends, hustling hard like a motherfucker during the week and that was my routine for a very long time. So I I left the family business, I moved out. I had a really unhealthy relationship with my brother, my parents. You know, when you're at that age and you kind of just like – you're mad at your parents for no for no reason. You're just like blaming them for no reason. Like you're blaming them because you don't know what you want to do for work and like you just have this, I don't know, like this weird resentment toward them but you don't even know why. Like I don't know, I guess it's like a teen thing or I mean that's how I was with my parents and I would blame them and oh, I was such a little bitch like back then. I was just so mean and I can I can say that now because I just remember like how mean I would be um, and I was rebellious and all those sorts of things, which I feel like I've touched on a little bit. But then I went to uni because I, I wanted to be a beauty therapist. I wanted to be in an industry where I could talk to women, inspire women, be there to support them and also make them feel really good about themselves. And I loved makeup. I love skin. I had acne. So I wanted to learn more about acne and like, why do I have it? You know, why isn't it going away? I'm using all the things. So then got into the beauty industry, but I was studying with 18 year old girls. So I was the oldest in the class. I was 24 at this point. 
and I was the oldest, surrounded by really young girls who were also eating junk food all day, you know, absolutely no desire to be healthy. And it's all very much environmental. I feel like it all depends on environment too. And it could be a cultural thing. It could be when you've grown up, what you've seen around you in terms of food, alcohol, cigarettes, like all those sorts of things. And no one was inspiring me. Like I was at uni, I was studying, I was working as well in the beauty industry and still living at home. And I didn't feel inspired by anyone. And it's really weird because like people have asked me like, who inspires you? Like, who do you look for for inspo, whether it's fashion or any of that stuff? I actually don't have anyone. I don't know. So I guess for me, it was it was up to me to inspire myself and it was up to me to create these boundaries and to figure out like what what is it that I can do to change this lifestyle that I'm living because I knew deep down I wasn't I wasn't happy. So I would eat really healthy all day, like super healthy, super clean. And I would get home and I would eat everything, everything in the pantry, like huge amounts to the point where I would feel sick. And I was doing this all in secret. No one knew, no friends knew, Um, my family didn't know. I would get home from uni and eat like a whole packet of chips. My mom is a cooking freak and a baking freak, which did not help the situation at all. But she didn't know that it was affecting me in that way. So she would be baking like the best fucking muffins and cupcakes and and I would be eating enough for like five people and she wouldn't be aware of it. And I actually Snapchatted myself back when Snapchat was a thing and I was journaling as well during these times and I've actually got... I mean, it's so cool that Snapchat actually does this. Like it fully saves your videos from all the way back then. But I have actually screen recorded uh, some of the videos I made. And this was 2017 in February. Um, And I can play you a little snippet. So I thought I would document today so I don't forget. I... I ate super clean all day. I was doing intermittent fasting. I didn't eat till 11. I had a tofu salad with chicken for lunch. And then I had um, nuts and stuff throughout the day. But I had a tofu salad um, and then I got home at about 8 for, 8.30 from work. And I just binged. I just had a full packet of grain waves. I mean like a full packet two muesli bars, a bowl of Nutri-Grain, a piece of carrot cake, and now an apple. And I'm more concerned about my health than anything, not like my weight. Like, I'm actually concerned about the intake of sugar. I'm starting to feel like a bit hot and flustered from everything that I've just eaten. I haven't been able to lose any weight. Um, I've been trying for, like, four years to lose five kilos, and I feel like it's impossible. I did quit smoking a year and two months ago, so that I feel like that may have something to do with it. I was fully addicted uh, for nine years, smoking at least a packet a day or more. I feel like I just always need to be crunching on something. Like when I'm eating, that's what I find the most satisfying is the crunching, like the chewing. I'm pretty desperate to make this change because I'm so uncomfortable in my own skin. Yeah, I think that it's 
oh, really, really, really going to get to me really soon um, if I don't do something about this. Um, like, I want it, but it's literally just when I get home. Like, I want it so bad. I want to stop. I just want to go back a little bit. Yeah. What was your understanding of everything in that very moment? Because you were using, yes, a kind of correct language, mm. but it sounded like you were still figuring out yeah. as you were speaking, right? Yeah. I just knew that something was wrong about mm -hmm. what I was doing because I was doing it in secret. Like I yeah. was hiding it from people. I was going home from being healthy all day to then hiding in my room eating so and junk food and i do remember having things cross my mind like diabetes and like those sorts of health concerns i mm -hmm. was like shit like my body would actually tingle from all of the sugar from the rush and then i wouldn't sleep so like i was i had a really bad sleeping pattern as well back then from i mean all that food you can't digest you can't go to sleep after you've just had all of that food yeah it doesn't it doesn't work like that and even when I like look at those videos and the look on my face and like the, the puffiness, the inflammation, the acne, it's triggering for me to look at because I just remember how unhappy I was and how hard it was to actually come out of it. And that was 2017, still three years on from that video, I didn't make changes I said it, I knew that I wanted to make these changes, but I still didn't action it for the, an, probably another three years properly. But the biggest part of me realizing it was a problem was, yeah, that I hid it from everyone. No one knew, not even my best friend until literally last year and my brother last year. I would hide my body. I would wear bigger clothes. And I know that I felt guilty. And also I did touch on that video. I was a smoker. I don't know if you guys ever knew that, but I started smoking from a very young age. Like I said, I was exposed to things from a very young age. So I started smoking cigarettes when I was about 13. Yeah, super young. And I smoked for about nine years. And I also do think that quitting smoking may have had something to do with this because it was a habit. It was an action of moving my, my hand and blowing out smoke and you tend to replace an addiction of eat, uh, smoking with something else. So then I thought I had a sugar addiction and I tried to get hypnotized from the same guy for sugar. I was like, Dr. Sudhu, help me. Like, get sugar out of my head. I have a sugar issue. It's a sugar addiction and that didn't work. The next thing back then was when I found Equolution. And it was basically like, it, it taught me a lot about nutrition and how you can have your cake and eat it too. That's sort of like their motto. So I did, I think back then it was like a six or seven week uh, Equolution program. And I think I lost around three kilos or maybe four kilos. And it was great. But because of my history with the overeating, I was having, you know, Nutella on crumpets in my Equolution programs. And I felt amazing when I did this six-week, seven-week challenge. But then I fell off the wagon and I was like, oh, well, shit, I've got crumpets in the freezer. I'm going to go eat 10 of them because, you know, no one's there. No one would know. And they're the thoughts that I would have. No one will know, right? No one will know if you're eating, doing this, you know. It's literally just 
you by yourself feeling the guilt later. And I guess the guilt came back and the feelings all came back. And it was, again, really hard to admit it to yourself. It's like with any addiction, right? Admitting it to yourself is the hardest part. Being aware that you have a problem and are you going to do anything about it? And still then no one knew. Parents didn't know, best friends didn't know, brother didn't know. No one knew. And yeah, I fell back into old habits. Um, The self-talk and the self-love was really fucked up. (laughs) Like when I compare to now, my self-talk now, it, it makes me so sad how mean I was to myself. I was so mean to myself. And I know this is really common even more so now in this world that we live in that's ruled by social media where we compare, we judge, and I can only imagine how it's even harder now for 19-year-old girls if it was hard for me back then. My self-talk back then, and this is when I, I, you know, would be aware this is a problem, Ella, this is a problem. It would, in my mind, I'd get home. I'm like, all right, I don't want to binge. I don't want to binge. But I'd look at my stomach. It'd be inflamed and bloated. I'd look at my acne and the words would be, well, you're already overweight. You're already there. So just eat. You're already like unattractive or not, you're already single still anyway. Like no one wants you. So it's like, just do it. It was a very weak state of mind. I had absolutely no discipline, no control and no respect for my body. It was like, no one wants to be with you. They won't see your body anyway. They won't love you. I became so conditioned so much into thinking this way and it just became a part of who I am. It was like... It defined me. I used it as an excuse. So I'm asking this generally, but very specifically now, when we are at the time of the relapse, obviously Mm. you have just gone from making these big changes, Mm. actioning everything, Mm. and I'm sure your body would have felt the change just from those six weeks. Yeah. How did it physically feel Mm. once you relapse? And obviously I'm interested how it felt generally, but especially after you made the changes, your body's Mm. maybe adjusting and being like, hey, this is my new normal. Mm. This is healthy. How did it feel? Depressing. Yeah. It was depressing. I was really disappointed in myself. Mm -hmm. I was like, you've just committed to six weeks. You've spent money as Mm -hmm. well. And, you know, I was not making very good. I can't remember what, what job I was at with when I was at Equolution. But I think it was around 79 a week that I was paying. And that's expensive. Like, yeah, fuck yeah, that's expensive for a meal plan. And you cook your own food. You prepare your own food and you buy your own groceries. You're just getting the meal plan and a one-on-one coach who you can reach out to at any time. But when I went back into all the old habits, yeah, I was really disappointed. I was, like, ashamed of myself that I'd let myself get back there. But it was more like the it was just back to those toxic thoughts like Mm. where you don't have control over them well you think you don't and in those moments i i let them control me and it was back to well you've already been there before you you were chubbier anyway six weeks ago you've already been there so just go back there the dating game i think as well 
made me realize a lot. The constant rejection, never getting further than three months with someone, no one wanting to be with me um, or one night stands where I always was hopeful that they would want more than a one night stand. And that that also really started to eat me up because I was sleeping with men for the wrong reasons and it was only ever making me feel worse about myself. And that also played a big part in my self-love talk because, well, men didn't want to lock me down. So I would just say that to myself and I just didn't love myself at all. I do want to say as well, my journaling helped a lot. Like I've said this before and I'll say it again. Journaling is the best form of reflection, but also being truthful to ourselves and being honest with ourselves about our flaws, about things that we don't like about ourselves, about problems that might be going on in life. Like journaling is for me a place where I'm brutally honest with myself and it's just you and you in there. So it's a judge, it should be a judge-free space where you can just lay it out on the table. I don't like this about me. I don't like this about me. Why? Why don't you like it about you? Okay, well, what are you going to do about it? What is it going to take to fix that? Where do you start? Like when I started journaling about the things I didn't like about myself, it then was opening up questions to myself. Well, how? How are you going to change that if you don't like that? And there's always a way or there's always somewhere that you can start. And I feel like when you have that first realization of what if I do change that? What will that feel like? Could I be happier? Could I actually get out of this like dark place? Can I actually do that? And when you start opening possibility to changing your life, it's like the answers or the doors just open, right? And again, it comes back to mindset and being positive and negative and all that kind of stuff. Like if you open your mind possibility to change, rather close your mind and stay with the negative in the past and the Ella that I didn't like, then I'm just going to fucking stay there. Like stay put, okay, live that way. Or how can I beat this? How can I be better? How can I feel better in my skin again? And then COVID. I was a beauty therapist. It was basically straight away no work because obviously we were treating the face right? We can't really do a facial if someone's got a fucking face mask on, right? So I wasn't working. Um, I didn't work for, I think it was like 11 months straight. I was still doing like Zoom consultations, skin consultations and like prescribing uh, products and posting skincare products all from home. But I had a lot of spare time, right? A lot of us had a lot of spare time. I was living at home. I was on JobKeeper and this is when everything really changed for me. We didn't have access to gyms. I wasn't partying as much. Obviously, I was getting a bit more older. I really wanted to find love. I was going out on walking dates. I knew I've got two choices, basically. I'm either going to come out of lockdown more depressed, bigger, more unhappy, 
worse than ever before. Or I can come out of lockdown a new and improved and evolved Ella, the version that I've always wanted to be. Then I reached out to a friend of mine, Ricky. Shout out to Ricky. He doesn't listen to the podcast, but he's an absolute legend and he changed my life. He's just incredible. He is like the kindest, nicest guy ever. And we used to always talk about gym and training whenever we were at work. And I knew that he was very, very good at what he did because of his physique, right? He was shredded. And I feel like that's a true testament to his business. Like if he's got a good figure, it's like a beauty therapist. If you've got great skin or a makeup artist, if you've got great makeup, that's your work, right? And his physique, it was like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. So come COVID, I reached out to him. I'm like, okay, I need some serious help. And I know this is going to be a serious commitment. This is going to be, this is going to be a lot. And I showed my brother photos um, and my best friend photos last year, the start of last year. I and mean, I remember I was like, shit, I'm going to send this to James and show him. Because this is when I did. So Equolution actually, we ended up working together last year and I was the face of one of their challenges, which was just so amazing because that was really special for me. And when that was all happening, I was sharing with James and telling him all about Equolution because he didn't really know as well that I did it. He didn't know about any of it. And I was showing him photos of me and he was like, wow, I had no idea. And now when I see those photos, he's like, yeah, yeah, okay. I understand. I understand now. And you can even see my eyes in these photos, just like the sadness in my eyes. And... Ricky wrote me up a meal plan, the exercise that I would be doing in lockdown, which was very limited. It was really just treadmill and some dumbbells. I bought a treadmill off Gumtree. This was when I got into jogging, not running like I do now, but just slow, very slow jogging. And I followed that thing perfectly every single day. I'm a bit of a, I've told you guys before, I work the best with schedule, calendar, I know what's going on at 9am, 9.05, 10, like I'm, that's the way my brain works. I wasn't drinking as well. I wasn't, you know, going to parties because everybody was partying, partying in COVID, but I wasn't. I was being very good. And I remember coming out of COVID, I don't know, one of those lockdowns opened up. The way that I'd felt at the end of that completely changed me, completely changed me in so many ways. The self-love talk became a lot stronger. Started telling myself, you know, you are beautiful and love yourself no matter what. Put in the hard work. Look at you. You're putting in the hard work. Like I started to really change the affirmations and the mindset. And if you're feeling like this now, Ella, imagine how much better you could feel if you keep going. And when you come out of lockdown and when you, you know, you can go to the gym, imagine how good that's going to feel. So it was all about imagining how much better I could feel. Rather, you're already, you're already chubby, you know, you're already a binge eating, so just stay here. It was imagine this and imagine that. And then, you know, that's when I got into meditation. It's when I got deep into law of attraction, mindset, changing my my thought process, changing the way that I looked at myself, stopped sleeping around, stopped dating fuckboys. Like I really started to respect myself on a level that I hadn't done before. 
and I was getting older and it was lockdown again and then maths came up. Now, it's really interesting the timing, the timeline of maths and, and when it came into my life because I wouldn't have gone on that show if I did not take these steps in lockdown to get myself to a healthy place because I don't know if you guys know the story. I can't remember if I, I feel like I did mention this, but a long time ago, but with maths, I didn't fully fill out the application. I filled out about five questions and then I saved it and I decided not to go forward with it. I was like, I'm not, this is fucking crazy. Ella. Like you don't need a show to find love. It's been yet what, 10 years at that point or nine years. Nah, don't do it. So I actually decided not to go on the show, but then they followed up with me like a month later and they were like, Hey, we found your application. Are you still single? I was like, yes, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> and then they kind of just like, I don't know, they, they got me in. They were like, you got nothing to lose. And I'm like, really? <laughs> really? Because some people you have everything to lose. <laughs> but took the risk. And, you know, for me, I'm a big believer everything happens for a reason. I wouldn't have gone on the show if I didn't put the effort in. And fast forward time, I mean, here I am now, 29 years of age. It's been nearly two years since maths. And the discipline that I have now is crazy, guys. Like it's taken me nearly 10 years, 10 years. And and I talk about this stuff all the time on my Instagram. Like it takes hard work. It takes commitment. Back when I was eating and just had this horrible relationship with myself and how sad I was like all the time, dragging my feet to uni, dragging my feet to work, getting lit on the weekend, so repetitive, like no purpose, no happiness. And when I look at the Ellen now, such a different person. I'm like so happy every day, you know. And I know there's questions of people who have asked, what happens like does it still it does it stay with you yeah yeah and I'm not perfect all the time I'm definitely not saying that like fuck like Monday to Friday I am very good but discipline now as I'm getting older and I want to talk about this a little bit maybe a lot I don't know could go for a while making the decision to be disciplined is hard like Everything is hard, right? If you want to be the best at your work, if you want to be the fastest in the race, if you want to get a promotion, if you want to travel the world, like everything in life is hard. Nothing is fucking easy, guys. Like where I am today with the podcast, with my fragrance, with Love Triangle, with my app, with, with all these things that I've done, I have worked my absolute ass off to get to. And yes, obviously I went on a show and it opened opportunities to get there, but I have worked my absolute ass off to get there. And that is because of discipline and commitments, right? When we make small commitments for ourselves, I tend to think that we don't realize how much they actually impact our journey and our story. Keeping promises to ourselves, which is what I did when I decided to take control. Keeping a promise to yourself. No one knows. No one knows that you've made a promise to yourself. Like 
it's just you and your thoughts. And I know a lot of you guys ask questions around my routine. I wake up early every single day at 5 a.m., even on Saturdays, sometimes Sundays. It's just embedded in me now, right? Like even when I'm on freaking vacay in Bali, I'm up at 5 a.m. Let's get up. Make the most of a day. I love to make the most of my day. I do go to bed very early as well. Go to bed at like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. Because over time now I've realized sleep is really important. And again, discipline. I get myself into bed early so I can try to get seven to eight hours so I can operate the next day at my best potential. I can get up early. Now I just love the lifestyle. The way that I live my life now is just a part of who I am. But because of the lack of discipline that I had growing up to now realizing how good it feels to have discipline. When the alarm goes off in the morning, we're always coming up with reasons not to get up. Or when you know that, I mean, even still now, if I've got a PT session booked and I'm like, fuck, I don't want to (laughs) go, fuck. Like straight away, most of the time, our mind is conditioned to snooze or it's too cold. Like I just remember that in the wintertime. It's too cold. I don't want to get out of bed. Fuck, this is so comfortable. My boyfriend, especially now I've got a fucking boyfriend and I haven't had a boyfriend ever. So it's like, oh, thank God he gets up at 5 a.m. as well because I would be snoozing. But it really is, it's like building a muscle, right? And building a muscle of keeping promises that nobody even knows what we are keeping to ourselves. So setting goals, the only person that you're letting down is you. If you want to set a goal, micro goals, little goals, like go for a five-minute walk or have a shower and put on some really nice music. Like it could be anything. But if you set a goal, like I said, the only person that you're going to let down is you. And that's the way that I've really lived my life now for the last few years I said to myself that I was going to do that certain thing, which was get out of my unhealthy relationship with food and men especially, and I did it. And yes, you can fall back. Yes, you can relapse. Yes, I have moments of weakness. It was, you know, after maths, I mean, I did. I did. After maths, everything that happened with Mitch, I was binge eating. I was binge drinking. I was covering up, trying to avoid facing the truths of what happened with Mitch and just getting lit and not dealing with it. And that started to really worry me again. I wasn't gaining weight as quick because my stress levels were so high. I was actually really weird. I'd never experienced this before, but I was so skinny from the stress and I'd never experienced that before. I didn't know that that really happened. Because I was still eating a lot, but I was actually getting really skinny. But I knew that my diet was fucked up and I knew shit was like not great. Reached out to my coach again and he helped me again. We got back on track. But when it comes to waking up, following a meal plan or working out, it's up to you if you're going to come up with an excuse. The voice in my head, yeah, she's tired. She's tired all the time. And I'm sure the voice in your head is tired too. Because it's exhausting, right? It is it is exhausting to be disciplined and to stay mode. It is really fucking hard work, guys. I know because I do it every single day. But I know how clear-headed and how good I feel. 
and how I inspire my mates, I motivate my girlfriends, I push them. I thrive off that now. I love getting messages from you guys or anyone on Instagram when they feel inspired by my content. That's the most rewarding part of being exposed to half a million people now or more. That's the most rewarding part is when I get those messages because I've been there. I know how it feels. I know how shit it is. I know the self-talk. It is so scary and so lonely. I know. Like, I fucking know. There's another point here that I've written, which I feel like I say this all the time on my Instagram stories, that growth isn't easy. It isn't easy to do these things. An example, I've added infrared saunas into my routine, right? I don't love it. It's hard. It's fucking hot in there. It's 55 degrees. It's not easy to sit there for 35 minutes, but I know that it's going to benefit my health and especially my partner's health. It, it, it plays a really big role in his health. So I was like, fuck it, I'll try something new out. And it's a new experience that I'm challenging myself and sitting through the pain, but after I feel so good. That's what we're aiming for, right? We're aiming for the benefit of being, what's the benefits of being healthier? Which is, I mean, there's so many things that we could be be doing to be healthier. It's important to identify when you fall off the wagon, when you break the promise, it's still there. You can get back on it at any time. You can start again, you can build your habits again, or write it off. I'm not saying that I'm this way 24-7, I'm just explaining where I was and where I am now. Yes, I have a bit of body dysmorphia too now, um, which my mum actually picked up on. I do see the old me sometimes because it, it was just like such a ugh, horrible place that I was in. But I'm aware when it creeps back in and when the thoughts come back. The self-awareness is a really big part of it. Being aware when certain thoughts creep back into your mind Like when I had my plantar fasciitis and I didn't run for six weeks and I went on Roaccutane and I couldn't do hot Pilates, I I, I relapsed a little bit. And I had my boyfriend and I, he didn't even really know about my binge eating disorder. So I told him all about it. And I said to him, look, babes, I have foot injury. I can't run. Um, I'm on this medication now, which is stopping me from doing my hot Pilates. I'm just going to let you know. There is something that I need to tell you about. And he was like, if you ever feel like you're going to eat, you're going to binge, text me, call me, tell me. But like obviously so easy and love him to pieces. Like that's so nice and kind. But for me, in my head, I'm like, no, no way. I'm not going to tell you if I binge eat because it's a secret, right? I'm telling him this is I have this problem, but I was binge eating for a little bit there and he wasn't aware of it. And then I told him after. I'm like, okay, so I had been Jay yesterday. Fuck. And became aware of it again and stopped letting the no running, the Roaccutane control my discipline, I guess. There's a lot to unpack. There's probably a lot that I've missed. But, you know, I actually thank, not thank, I mean, fuck. Don't, I don't thank COVID because obviously it like ruined a lot of people's lives and mine too in ways. But the blessing for me that came out of it is I was able to get my control back, understand my binge eating disorder a lot more. So tell someone, be honest, journal about it, 
and reach out to a health coach or a personal trainer or if if Ricky is like, I'll do it, then fucking yeah, Ricky. But you have to commit because it is not going to be easy. It is not easy. Okay? I'm telling you right now. It's not easy. It's going to take a lot of hard work. But if you love yourself and you respect yourself and you want to be better and you want to be the best version of you in this one life that we have, then you will make those changes. And that's what I wanted for myself. That's what I want for myself. It's what I want for my family. And I want that for you guys too. I want you to be able to feel as if you can make those changes. And I'm, I'm backing you. I'm behind you. Like I'm here because I know exactly how it feels. It's lonely. It's grim. It's shit. It's sad. But I am backing you as well. So that's the story. Yeah, that's the story. I mean, I feel like there's a little bit, there's more layers to it, of course. Of course. But how are you feeling now you've finally, you know, Um, spoken about it because I didn't realize how much of it was internalized. mm, I feel really good. I feel really good that I've shared it. It feels like it was a different Ella. I mean, it was, right? It was a different Ella. Um, It was a different version of me. It was the old me. So I feel really good that I've spoken about it. And, you know, even still now, some of my friends don't know about it. And Mm -hmm. if if they listen to it or if they see this reel go up on my Instagram, they'll be like, oh, shit, I had no idea. Surprise. Yeah. (laughs) And people will still say, oh, she never looked like that she did. She never Mm. looked like she did, though. Yeah. But I just covered myself up, hit it very well. There's that, but I also want to have a discussion around body and weight because when you were talking, the one thing I really kept cluing into was that when you were in the gutter, Mm. when things were looking their grimace, Mm. you never mentioned wanting a better body Mm. or anything physical, really. No. So what were the main things that you were chasing? Because you bring up happiness, you bring Mm. up structure, control. Mm. What do you think in you was screaming for this change? Yeah, it's interesting that you say I never mentioned the body stuff, eh? And it it's funny because on my Instagram, I think there's only maybe three bikini shots. Mm. Like I don't I don't post a lot of body shots, um, and maybe that's because of the the body dysmorphia, or sometimes I don't see what others see, and maybe I don't feel comfortable still, and that's probably going to stay with me. The emotion that I wanted to feel was happiness yeah like in my own skin when I would put on an outfit or look at myself in the mirror and see it's just like all the eyes you know Mm -hmm. I look back on these photos and these videos and like it's real sadness yeah like loneliness and on the loneliness this seems like a really roundabout way to Mm. ask this question but I'm going to make it as real life for you okay (laughs) I'm gay. Don't know if you could. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's out there. That going through that is a mm. very introspective, mm. isolating experience yeah. because very similar to your story, mm. you're not ready to speak it out loud, and there's really terrible, disgusting. I mean, in most cases, I believe really negative self talk. Yeah, going on in there, mm. and before I actually came out. Mm. There's comments people make, Mm. 
there's language people use mm. and because you haven't addressed it or externalized it mm. in your head you're like hey that was shit I didn't like that yeah did you have those moments where people were using language or maybe get things so wrong about these issues that obviously you had to hold in now but mm. now that you're looking at it in hindsight you're like hey if I were to go through this again, I would hope that people would use this language instead of this or treat me this way instead of this. God, that's a really interesting question. I don't really know. Like back then, because I didn't speak about it. I mean, mm. I'm only speaking about it now. And the most common question I'm getting is how, how did you deal with it? Mm. How did you deal with it? How did you get out of it? In terms of like terminology language used around it I didn't really I haven't really heard much yeah around that and maybe that's because I haven't spoken about it Mm -hmm. enough but what I did notice when I started talking about it was a lot of women were in the same shoes as I was three years ago, five years ago, like a lot of, a lot, so many people. Mm -hmm. I think that we all have an unhealthy relationship with food in some way or another. And it's scary how it's getting worse in the world because of social media. Like I said, I think I said at the start of this episode, I couldn't imagine being the 19 year old Ella in this fucking, (laughs) like this social media world. Mm Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine. It is so much more harsh. People are so mean online. And I have thick skin now, but I don't know if I had thick skin back then and I don't know how I would have handled it if I was going through what I was and being on Instagram the way that I am now. So, yeah, it's it's a very common issue. Yeah, it's hard. It is hard to really know where do I go from here. Mm-hmm. And like then you Google it. Like I remember Googling like why am I eating so much food? I didn't know what to Google because I didn't even know that it was a thing when I was 19. Yeah, I didn't even know it was an actual issue. I'm, I just remember Googling like why am I overeating? Why am I eating until I feel sick? Like great Google. Yeah, I mean Google's not great for everything, but <laughs> I just remember like asking Google the questions because I didn't want to ask anyone else. Yeah, and then I would record those videos. And then I guess that's when I slowly started to realize it was a problem. If I'm recording myself talking about it, it's a problem. Yes. (laughs) And I actually wanted to tie this episode out. Yeah. Going back to Mm. that those videos, Mm. I know you've imparted some knowledge and wisdom and advice to everyone. Mm. But outside of that, I want to go back to that video mm-hmm. and look at the young Ella there who I didn't even recognize your voice. You've had your rebirth. You've gone through it. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you're still learning as you go. Yeah, definitely. But you've just watched her back. Mm. If that Ella was sitting across from you right here, right now, what would you say to her? I mean, now I'm pretty... I'm a... I'm a hard ass now, right? I am a hard ass with anything that I do, with my work, with anything I do. I would say, Ella, everything's going to be okay, but it's up to you to make the change, babe. Like mm-hmm. you need to decide if you want to stay this way 
or if you want to make the most out of this life. Like now I can be pretty hard on myself, right? I, I, I am hard on myself. Everyone said it in Bali, all the psychics, the tarot card radar all said that I am very hard on myself. I put a lot of pressure on myself. And yes, that stems back to having my binge eating disorder and how hard I had to be on myself to come out of it and mm-hmm. the hard work that I had to put into it. Yeah. So I'm a hard ass now. Like now I love to push myself, like with this whole running journey, I'm loving it because it's a new challenge. It's new feelings that I'm having, like the endorphins that get released to like, fuck, this is epic. Like this is insane. I've never felt like this in my whole life. And it does become addictive. I have an addictive personality though. So yeah, I would just say, get your ass into gear, babe. <laughs> Put in the hard work and you're going to reap the rewards at the end. Because the feeling that you have at the end is the best fucking feeling ever. And you can't put money on it. And you can't. You literally can't. Well, I love that you're a hard ass, but I hope that you are. (laughs) I hope you're kind to yourself. I am. I am. (laughs) For the shortish time span I've known you, I wouldn't be able to pick these things. Mm. But I'm so proud of you for speaking about it so eloquently and so honestly as well. Because it's very fucking hard to admit that... Mm maybe you're doing something wrong or maybe there's something you're not addressing. Mm. So you, yeah. And we, and that's got, changed everything for you. It's changed everything. And guys, I'm not perfect. I, I want to definitely clarify that I'm not perfect. I have my moments too. Um, but I pick myself back up and you can have bad moments and you can fall back and you can have those moments, but you've, you've got to pick yourself back up. And I do that a lot. So yeah, I really hope that sharing that part of me, I don't know, has made some of you feel less alone because I've been there, I've been through it, still go through it sometimes, still have my days, still have the thoughts sometimes, never goes away. So I hope that it's, uh, I don't know, helped some of you guys in some way. And yeah, I guess now you really do know a deeper side of me that not many or any really know. So yeah, I guess I feel this is a really personal episode. This is a really special episode. And like I said, guys, I'm an open book. If you want to slide in the DMs or talk in the Facebook group, let's start a thread. Let's talk about it. If you want to reach out for um, any recommendations, I will chat to Ricky after this and see what if he's open to coming on the podcast or open to potentially writing meal plans, but I feel like he will get absolutely inundated with like a lot of fucking people. So we'll see. Um, But yeah, hope that you guys enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the support as always. And love you guys so much. Bye.